and welcome to the I Want to Know podcast. I'm Josh Spector. I am your host. If you don't know who I am, I'm the creator of the For the Interested newsletter, which you can check out at fortheinterested.com. If you're new here, this podcast exists for a simple reason, to help creative entrepreneurs get their questions answered. Here's how it works. In each episode, a different guest comes on and asks me three questions. Then we have a 10-minute conversation about each of them, and that's it. No fluff, lots of actionable tips about audience and business growth that they and you can hopefully put to use. Today, my guest is Rob Roseman. Rob's a former Las Vegas poker pro, Chicago futures floor trader, and dad to three kids, ages 10, 8, and 5. After getting divorced in 2020, he started WTFDivorce.com, which is also a podcast and Instagram channel, where he helps other men and women struggling to deal with their divorce feel less alone and to laugh about the absurdity of it all. I've connected with Rob on Twitter for a while. He has some great questions today to talk about sort of where he's at. He's built an audience and community and wants to turn it into a thriving business. So I'm looking forward to talking about it. Hey, Rob, welcome to the show. Hey, Josh. Thanks for having me. It's an honor. One of my, you've moved into like my top five most played podcasts because I know what I'm going to get. And I know I can be like done in 30 minutes and learn something. So I'm fired up to be here. Cool. Well, well, ho- hopefully I can live up to that now that we're talking in person. Hopefully I'll have some advice for you that's as good as I've had for other episodes that you've listened to. So let's jump right into it. Let's start with what is the first thing you want to know? All right. So when I started this about one year ago, my goal was to build an audience, build content. And I knew that would take some time and that I would, I've always heard build the audience and then you can always figure out the monetization. So I'm at the point now, I've built an audience. I've got over 12,000 people on Instagram, 100,000 plus downloads on the podcast. I have a couple sponsors, but I'm starting to plateau or I'm struggling to figure out how to productize this problem and this audience community that we've built. Okay. So talk to me about the audience and sort of what you think has attracted them to you and sort of how you're helping or serving them. And I know you said before that you you know you have sort of problem market fit. And I'm curious, how do you know that? What makes you so sure? It's a good question, especially because on social media, you're kind of putting stuff out there. And a lot of times the response is when you start to see what people really want. Where I really discovered it is on our Instagram, we started running kind of these like anonymous share your stories. And, you know, the first time there's 10 people talking about how co-parenting is hard and then Next thing was 50 people. And then they're saying, oh my God, I'm going through that too. And we're, we have a weekly audience, a community where people are like, thank you so much for providing this info. My spin on things is to make it a little funny. We do memes. We kind of laugh about it all. So coming at divorce from a more relatable angle, but yeah, the Instagram is the main place where I'm seeing like the direct feedback from people saying, I've never heard people talk about this problem. I feel like I'm the only one going through it. Thank you. And at the moment, how are you trying to monetize? So right now I did, I'm going two different directions. I got the podcast, which I run Mm -hmm. a few times a week and I cut it into clips, kind of like your model of Mm -hmm. short digestible. So we have two sponsors that are very big in the divorce world, like a co-parenting app that pays to be a podcast sponsor. And then another uh, popular divorce app for people dealing with alcoholism. And then the other angle that I really was trying to push and have got off the ground and we have 50 plus professionals is if you are a divorce lawyer, if you're a realtor, if you're a mortgage broker and a state planner, you can be on our site, featured on our site 
where we're getting, you know, over a thousand people coming to the site a month, our audience is seeing you. So put yourself in front of the audience that you guys are trying mm -hmm. to uh, connect with. And so it sounds like at the moment you're mostly trying to, I always say there's, you know, there's a difference between selling to your audience and selling your audience to other people. And I think it's one of the first key decisions to make. You can succeed either way, but I think it's really important to think about that because all the other decisions you make, and some people you may ultimately do both, but in terms of where your focus is initially. So the products you have at the moment are selling your audience to other people, not selling to your audience. Is that a conscious decision or is that just sort of how it's played out? It actually is because I know one of the big problems of divorce is money. You're spending mm -hmm. a ton of money. You're just getting out of $50,000 worth of debt. I thought, why can't we provide all this content that these businesses are built around and charge the business to get in front of this audience that a lot of their Instagram pages are like, happy new year, three things to do with your right. divorce. So it was a conscious effort to like, let me not say sign up for this course for $39 because I see that a lot. I know I'm not representative of everybody in the divorce community, but not always the first thing I want to go yeah. do to yeah. pay for an online course. So I thought, let me build the audience and maybe the B2B uh, mm -hmm. business model would be a better route. Okay. So something to keep in mind that essentially you have, it's one business, but they're, they are two things that are both related and unrelated. So the fact that people are finding it helpful, people are liking it, you're growing an audience, there's a community there, people are engaging, they're responding, all of that stuff that makes you feel like, oh, I have product market fit, but that's not the product. The product is businesses who want to reach them because they want to get hired as a divorce attorneys or whatever it is that they have to, whatever it is that they have to sell. So I think it's important to take a step back and when you're looking at this, to go the quote unquote audience, I'll call it the audience growth side of it. The audience growth side of it may be doing great, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the monetization side, it doesn't necessarily mean you have product market fit on that side or vice versa. So understanding that the way you're assessing the business, you know, it's funny, engagement can be fool's gold at times. So like I talk about like, yeah, I could share funny cat videos and they might go viral. And I might get more followers and people go, oh, I love you, but they're not going to get me clients. So that alignment piece is really important. And that ultimately what you need is not just someone who's willing to respond to an Instagram prompt and say something and be an active participant, but ultimately someone who is actively going to support your sponsors or buy their products or whatever that case may be. So that doesn't mean that, you know, obviously it's great to have a bit, the bigger your audience, the easier that all gets. They, that's why I say they are related, but they're really different, really different things. And I think it's important to sort of have that mindset. So the next thing is in terms of the monetization piece. So your customer is actually the people, the brands, the companies that want to reach the audience, not the audience. And I think a lot of people fall into the trap of, they're so focused on the audience, but if you're not selling to your audience, that's half the battle at most. So I think that's important to understand. So have you had many conversations with the people you do want to sell to, the people that want to reach this audience? And have you talked to them about what do they want, right? Besides, obviously, they want more customers and, and that kind of thing. Have you had individual conversations with them? 
I mean, so I just started the sponsorship angle in November. I got two of the bigger ones in the divorce space after persistently following up and saying, look, I, and I did have the conversation. What do you guys want? They said, mm -hmm. we want awareness. We want people to visit our Instagram page to learn about the co-parenting app. And what I found too is getting the sponsor is a challenging thing, but keeping them and delivering results is another problem. And actually just, you know, three months after the contract, they say, we'd love to renew. So that was a good feeling That's great. to say, you know, you guys are doing something that like we can't do. We're kind of more buttoned up. We're divorced mm -hmm. attorneys, but you can, you know, talk about the real stuff and then direct mm -hmm. them over to us. So far it's good, but I just haven't found- Do you it. know, outside of them wanting to renew, do you know what they got out of it? The only real way I've been able to measure metrics is uh, like clicks on Instagram mm -hmm. stories, which I do, I'll screenshot, I'll send them and I'll say, look, 37 people, when I posted about your product, went to your page. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, I mean, they're okay with that. I think they know it's tough to get podcast sponsorship, like real analytics about it. But mm -hmm. yeah, it's a, it's a little bit of a weak thing, but so far they've been satisfied with the-, the Yeah, story. I mean, I would, to the extent that you can, especially obviously they're happy with the performance and you know, you have a bit of a relationship with them. You know, I would, I would have an open conversation with them and say like, hey, I'd love to know more, right? You got X number of clicks. You've decided to renew this. You think it's worth it. Why? Is it because it's so hard to get that? Is it because, you know, what do you think? Are you hearing from anyone that said, oh, I found you on that Instagram page? Did you get a customer or a client out of it? The metrics can be difficult to track, but somewhere in their mind, when they're assessing whether or not we should renew, they're thinking that stuff through. And that's really important information for you. And I think when you have that conversation with them, you can position it as, you know, you're essentially partners once they become a sponsor, right? So you're saying, look, the more I know about what you're seeing, the more I can help you get more of that end result and get more creative and figure stuff out. So I think that's a really important piece of being in conversation with them and vice versa, right? Someone that advertises and doesn't renew, have that same conversation and go like, hey, I'd love to know what you know, why wasn't this worth it? You know, what did you see in all of that? That information is super valuable. The other thing I would say is it's really important, and this is true of advertising, but it's true of sort of anything you're going to do that involves people paying you money. There are lots of places, let's say their goal, you know, let's say I'm a divorce attorney, I guess, and my goal is to get clients. And there are lots of places I can advertise and get quote unquote awareness. So I think it's a good question for you to think about is how would someone solve their problem without buying from you or paying for your offer? What are the alternatives? Because this also gets into pricing. So for example, if that person's saying, okay, I got 37 clicks to, you know, to my Instagram channel and that, you know, the alternative was what would it cost them to get 37 clicks elsewhere? I could run Facebook ads. I could run Instagram ads. Now you start to drill down that and maybe they don't want to do that because that takes time. They don't know how to do it. They, you know, maybe they feel like the quality is not going to be as good. Maybe they feel like it won't convert as well. Maybe some of it is they want the sort of, they don't want to just be seen as someone advertising in people's feeds. They want the sort of more influencer marketing type things. All of those reasons are ultimately what's going to help you sell and help you position your product. Always thinking about what is the alternative, because no matter what you offer, there's a million other ways that people can do and accomplish the same thing. All those other ways have set costs, both financial and time and effort and resources. So it's also going to help you with your pricing and assessing the value of what you have to offer. 
So those are conversations that you can have with them. And also for yourself, put yourself in those shoes and be like, if I wanted to reach this audience, they might say they want awareness, which is probably true, but ultimately they want clients or sales or customers. They had a choice between you can get a thousand views from this channel and no clients, or you can get 50 views and 20 clients. They're going to take awareness is going to go out the window. Like awareness is a means to an end. And I think that's the conversation that you want to be having with them. The other thing that I would say along those lines is think about, and you have the advantage of you have some people who have bought and some who are renewing, you know, what else, what are they already paying for? To saw, where else are they advertising? Are you the only Instagram channel that they're sponsoring? Are they doing other ones? Are they sponsoring other podcasts? Like, where else are they spending money to accomplish whatever their goal is? And because there's a big difference between trying to get people to spend new money and getting them to shift money they're already spending. Much easier to get them to shift money. So anyone that's buying from you, or even if they're not buying from you yet, Having a conversation and going, you know, your goal is to get clients or get awareness or whatever their goal is. What are you buying? What are you spending? I'm buying X, Y, and Z. Oh, why are you doing that? I'm just not even as in a sales tactic, but just because that's ultimately your competition. And can you find a place in the market for whatever your offer is? And we'll talk about this a little more, I think, in your next question. Your offer is designed to be more compelling and give them a reason to shift that budget as opposed to just going, hey, you're not spending anything. And if you start spending, I can help you out. My guess is almost all of your targets are already spending money on advertising or awareness of some sort. So that's a very different argument, for example, to go, hey, you're already running Instagram ads. This is a better use of your money than Instagram ads because X, Y, and Z. You may not win that argument. You may not close that pitch. But that's a totally different conversation than going, hey, I got this great channel and we got an awareness, like want to give me some more, you know, find some more budget. So I think that's that those are the key things that I would sort of think about, right? Get as much information as you can about why they're buying, why they're not buying, what their ultimate goals are, because ultimately you're going to craft your product to do that anyway. And then think about where their money is always already going and where you could sort of siphon some of it off to yourself. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's very helpful. It's like I have to almost have two different brains, the audience yep. brain and the business brain. And just I'm very empathetic towards my audience and understand where they're coming from. I need to shift that to like understanding where this co-parenting app, what their yep. problems are. And like you said, sounds like people that are already spending money are going to be a lot easier to sell mm -hmm. to and maybe a brand new smaller company that a few hundred dollars might seem like a huge deal along those lines can i ask you real quick about yeah so i love your sponsorships and your model mm -hmm. for that is there like a lot of time where you're building a list of prospects these are the ideal companies that i want to work with and is uh, that something i really need to just pause and say come up with 20 companies it could be a mattress it could be a yeah a realtor yeah yeah, I mean, I have not done that. And there's an episode, we'll link it in the show notes where I talk all about sort of how I launched my ads and all of that. So I really have not had to do much outreach, although my newsletter was up and running for about four years before I even launched the ads. And this is another piece of this, right? I had the advantage that my audience wants to reach the rest of my audience. So I'm able to sell a lot of ads to my audience. You don't necessarily have that because... You're talking to people that are going through divorce, not necessarily the people that want to serve. So you might have to do a little more outreach, but I don't think it has to be super time consuming because you have the advantage of a very specific niche 
where you know who and where these people are. And I think once you sort of hone in on products and, you know, it, it can sort of speak for itself. I think once you get the messaging a little clearer and clearer on what the product is, I don't think the outreach will be that difficult, won't be that obscure because you'll be able to say, hey, you get X, Y, and Z and here's what it generates. And also, you know, it's a big enough market where there's a lot of potential there. But yeah, you probably having a list of targets. And also, honestly, like on Facebook, you can go to anyone's Facebook page and see what ads they're running. So you can go to companies and see, you can't see who they're targeting, but you can see the ad. So if nothing else, you go, this company is currently paying to run Facebook ads. So from that idea of shifting money, you know, if you reach out to them, hey, I saw you're running X, Y, and Z ads. I bet I can outperform. Or what are you getting for that, right? It's a totally different conversation. Yeah, I do think some outreach slash research would definitely, you know, could definitely be helpful. Yeah, that's good. I like that a lot. Very helpful. So let's get to your second question. What's the next thing you want to know? All right. And it's kind of related and it deals with this. So the other side of our business is promoting divorce coaches, divorce lawyers, Mm -hmm. realtors, a lot of people that maybe don't have a lot of experience marketing themselves and paying for marketing. And I have had a lot of people sign up to get exposure, but it's also hard for me to deliver like metrics. What am I getting for this? Besides Mm -hmm. like our audience is, is seeing you. So that's kind of made me a little hesitant to sell. And I kind of almost put that side of the business on pause. So I guess really is how can I craft a more compelling no-brainer offer where if Josh is a divorce lawyer, this is a steal for you to get in front of my audience. Of course, if you get one client that pays 10x for itself, yeah, I can't really say you got a client. I'm more top of funnel. People are just hearing about it. There's a gap where I have something, but it's not super obvious in the pitch. So I've, I was checking out your page and for people that are listening and haven't checked it out, you have sort of a directory. There's a couple of things you're offering to people, right? You have a directory of services for people going through divorces and people can pay to be featured in there, correct? And then also along with that, they can buy sort of upgraded packages where they get mentions on Instagram or your podcast, or there's a variety of things you offer, but that's the basic gist of it is you can pay X amount, you can get mentioned on my platforms and featured in various ways. I have a bunch of thoughts about this that that I want to go through. So the first is, is completely understandable that you're not quite confident in the product yet because it's you're not sure how well it works and you can't promise too much. And yes, they're getting awareness and yes, you have an audience, but it gets a little murky, which is completely common. I think one thing in general to keep in mind is that, and this is true of anything, this is not specific to you, your confidence in your product and the actual value of the product are completely separate things. So just because you're not confident about your product doesn't mean it's not valuable. And just because you are confident doesn't mean it is valuable. So again, I would assess those things separately. I would try to assess, okay, how valuable is this? And in order to assess that value, again, you have to really get clear on what are they paying for? And I don't mean, are they ultimately paying because they want to get clients or sales or whatever, or are they just paying for brand awareness? In most cases, they're paying because they want to get clients and sales and that kind of stuff. It doesn't mean that you have to guarantee that. Obviously, you can't guarantee that. And it doesn't mean necessarily that you charge like that, although you could work out affiliate deals and you could do that kind of thing. 
But it does change your messaging because if ultimately what they want and what they value is clients, sales, et cetera, and you're out here messaging general awareness, there's a disconnect. So like when I talk about the ads and my newsletter goes to about 22,000 people, I talk about how many clicks the average ad drives, which is way lower. As opposed to saying you're going to get in front of 22,000 people, I'm saying the average ad gets 250 clicks or whatever it is. So on their end, they're going, okay, if I get 250 people to my sales page, I'm not selling the awareness. I'm selling the results. So I think that's something for you to think about. The other thing to think about is if they get one sale, it's going to more than pay for itself. What is the value created by this in monetary terms? That depends who you're selling to and what their thing is. Again, I would say consider the alternatives. They have to do something. If they're not going to buy from you, if they're not going to go in your directory, like there are other options, but what are those other options and what are they going to cost them and what are they going to get for it and how difficult is it going to be and all that kind of stuff. The other thing, and this kind of touches on what I was saying before, but I would think through how much you really know versus how much you're basing on assumptions. Like all of us, and I'm as guilty of this as anyone, we all think we know what our audience or customers or client, we all think we know what everybody wants and what they're thinking, but most of those are assumptions. The more you can have those conversations and actually find out, the better. I think people default to there being sort of ways that is done. And I think that if you hone in on, okay, I have these assets, I have this platform, I have this Instagram channel, I have this directory, I have X, Y, and Z. And you go, if what is actually the best way for me to get this person a client or for me to get this person a lead call or uh, whatever that may be. And realizing that like you can do whatever you want with those platforms and within that space. It doesn't have to be sort of what everyone else is doing and really think through, even if it wasn't a paid thing, if you had a friend, if your best friend ever came up to you and said, hey, I know you've got this audience. I desperately need someone to buy my service. What would you do? Chances are you might do some stuff that's different than what you're currently offering. Okay, so with all of that as sort of background, I want to go to your pricing page because I thought, let me pull it up. So for anybody that's listening, we're going to wtfdivorce.com slash pricing. And I know obviously all of this is a work in progress, you know, take it all with a grain of salt. But I just want to point out a couple things that I noticed about it that I think, you know, speaks to what you're trying to what you're trying to figure out at the moment. All right. So the headline, and this is basically your sales page. The headline is get your business in front of 12,000 plus people dealing with divorce. Okay. This goes right to what I was talking about. You're saying get in front of them. In my opinion, it shouldn't just be about getting in front of them. It's get more sales, get more clients, get more. It's not like that's a general awareness play. And so you want to think about that headline and hone in on sort of who really are you appealing to and what really are you going to try to do for them. Then you have options of ways people can buy. And there's a pro plan, a pro plus podcast plan, and then custom. So the pro plan is $25 a month, $299 billed yearly, and it gets you listed on the directory and you'll share some content and your stuff. There's an expanded version of that's $50 a month, $599 billed yearly. Now, what's interesting to me is 
why have you chosen to do this as a subscription model versus I can just buy like a like I can buy an ad or whatever? So if I'm a lawyer and I wanted to be on there, I guess the time frame you're on this you're live on this thing for a while. I don't really know. I guess I chose subscription yeah. because that's what everybody does. That's the way it's to- better for you. I don't mean that as an insult, but yeah, everyone yeah. wants recurring revenue. Absolutely. So, but if you look at it from the other person's perspective, if I were a buyer, and again, this is where what are the alternatives becomes interesting. I can go here and give someone a hundred bucks and run an ad and see how it goes. Or I can give this guy 300 to be listed in some direct, and I know it's month to month and they can cancel or whatever, but there's not a clear reason for it to be a subscription product for them. Right. So that's definitely something that I would think about. The other thing is from a pricing perspective, so you have $25 or $2.99 a year. There's no reason to do the yearly because it's only $1 less. I actually bill you yearly. I just saw some companies do that where it's like they show what it is a month, but in essentially, because that is one of the problems. Is if so, you're it's on not there, month, so it's, it's not, not monthly. monthly, right? It's a yearly, okay. it's one-time yearly charge. That okay. It's also sort of misleading, yeah. right? I get what you're doing, but ultimately it's funny. And you see this all the time with the way people present information. You're not going to trick, like they, they outsmart themselves. You're not going to trick anyone. The person that was going to be scared off by 300 and signs up because it's 25 a month and they can be out whenever they want. At some point, they're going to have to enter in their credit card for 300 and they're going to be even less likely to do it because they're like, oh, I feel, you know, now I don't trust you and whatever. As far as that pricing goes, and again, this is where understanding the alternatives comes in handy. If you're going to sell a $300 product, what else could they get? And, and again, I have no idea, but I'll give you an example. If I'm an attorney wherever, I might be going, okay, I could buy a $300 print ad in my local paper, or I have no idea what any of that, a Valpac coupon mailer, I have no idea what any of that stuff costs. But let's say it's $1,200 and you're going, hey, for 25% of what you would spend on a Valpac thing that people are going to throw right in the trash, you can get listed in front of all these people that are actively looking for help. You start to get to a more clear pitch. The other thing I would say is the list of stuff that you're offering people, including a post on Instagram, there's a lot of stuff and people do this all the time. And part of that is because I think you're not quite sure of what to offer. So it's like, well, we'll give them a lot and it'll make it seem worth it. But I think you're also putting yourself in a situation where even if you succeeded with this model, like in a pretty big way, you're now going to have a problem. If you had 30 people buy the monthly thing, Every single day, you're going to have to be promoting another so-and-so diverse on your Instagram account, on your whatever. So the scalability of this format is also potentially problematic if it works. I think you want to think through, again, starting with what do they actually want? What's the best way I can do it? A lot of times, less is more. They care about the results. They don't care about X, Y, and Z. Oh, I got, you know, on this post and that post and I'm here and I'm there and I'm whatever. This comes full circle a little bit because I know you have a newsletter. That to me would be a major focus because you're going to get, how many Instagram followers do you have right now? 12? 12, 12.7 thousand. Let's say even if you got 4,000 of them, you got like a third of them on an email list and you have a 50% open rate, let's say. So 2,000 people are opening an email. You could easily, depending what you're doing, easily drive 100 clicks with a link. On Instagram stories, that's a lot harder to get to 100 clicks, right? And my newsletters, 
bigger and all that. But, you know, I have a 22,000 person email list and I can on my weekday emails, I can drive over a thousand clicks to something. By the way, like I have 25 or yeah, I have 25,000 or 22, whatever it is, a similar size audience on Twitter. I can't drive a hundred clicks to a link because of the algorithms and because, because of everything else. So that's something I would definitely focus on. The other thing I would consider which I know this is a different business, but I think something that you might want to think about is maybe you do some of this social for their accounts. Maybe the best way to help them or it's part of a package because really in some ways what you've become good at is figuring out content that people want to engage with, whatever. So maybe you do it for them. Maybe that's a problem that you solve for them. And now you start to think about, again, I'm not saying you necessarily want to be a social media agency, but maybe it's a monthly subscription to content that they can post on their own channels if you're not templates and that kind of stuff. Now, if you if you go down that road, they're going, well, I'm already paying this person to do my social and I'm not really getting anything of it. I could shift that money over to this guy who knows how to talk to this audience, who's grown this whole channel, who can occasionally promote me. Totally different business model. But that's what I mean about taking a step back and going, okay, well, maybe what really are the best ways that I could help these people as opposed to sort of defaulting to uh, a typical advertising? Does yeah. that all make sense? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you nailed a few of the things. The scalability is a big thing too, because once I got above 20 members, I'm like, how do I promote these people so much? Juggling now more balls. Yeah. And also... What is the expectation? Should I be really promoting them every day? Because that is actually a higher price value yeah. thing. So it also sounds like a lot of what you're doing is because it's very hard to measure exposure, email is like the gold standard of that because you can just say you got these. You get clips. better metrics. You don't have to worry about the algorithm. It's also trackable. So it's very easy to track like these did convert depending on where you're sending them and what you're doing. So yeah. I think email would definitely be one of my priorities if I were you. Very good. So let's get to your third question. Yeah. So along those lines, I'm juggling Instagram podcasts, email, social, like a lot of people that are solopreneurs and specifically email is something I'd like to dial in more on this year. And I'm curious as to like how you set up a system where, you know, I know there are things, hype fury that can send things to other things, <laughs> but. If there's like a mindset or a system that you use where you like for the week, I see your email, you know, they're very tight. They're coming out. You're writing all those in advance and then just scheduling them. Cause I, I think that feeling of content overwhelm, especially when yeah. you're in the social rabbit hole, which you get the dopamine, the feedback from yeah. it can start to make your head spin. And you're like, is this really where I'm spending the best use of my time? A few suggestions and everyone's different, right? Like you're using Instagram. I don't do anything on Instagram, really. I think it doesn't sound like this is a problem you have, but a lot of people are like trying to be on every platform, which is a huge mistake. Like just concentrate on one or two platforms. Yes. You know, people always go, oh, but there's opportunities. Well, are you saying there's not enough? There's more than enough people on just Instagram for you to build a massively successful business. So you will grow faster if you focus on one channel. So that's the first thing. Don't spread yourself out too thin. When I started out kind of doing this like full time or whatever, six years ago, I decided I was going to write a newsletter, publish a newsletter once a week. 
and write a blog post once a week. On social, I tried to post at least once a day. It was a little lot. Those two were like, okay, that's going to happen. Twitter, eventually I got to a place where I was like, okay, I'm going to post at least three tweets a day. But those tweets were a lot of repurposed content from the blog, from the newsletter, take a sentence here, a sentence there, tweets that had worked that I would repurpose. So the first key is don't get into this trap where you need to like reinvent the wheel and be constantly creating new content all the time. Repurpose the stuff that you've used. Any post you make that works, post it again three months from now. People have different levels of sort of organizational commitment. I'm not a super organized guy. And I do have someone helping me with it now, although originally I didn't. But when something works, just Whatever system works for you, put it in a spreadsheet. If you want, just automate schedule it for three months from now or whatever you want to do. But you're like, okay, I'm going to reuse that. I'm going to reuse that every three months. So you're building over time this library of content. And I think that's one of the things that to me is that I'm always talking about is you don't want to be doing random acts of content. You want to be strategic and building a library of content. The other piece of that is, again, being strategic about it is you can sit down and write a list of 20, 30, 40, 50 questions that you know your audience typically has, things they're interested in. Questions is a good format as opposed to just, you know, a general topic. And your answers to those questions, whatever they be, whether they be entertaining or funny or serious or whatever it is, every one of those is a piece of content, mm -hmm. right? And you know that you're not, you know it's going to be quote unquote valuable because it's going to be on topic. So that's really, that's what I say when I mean being strategic about content. That compared to the person that's, oh God, I need to post something on Instagram. What am I going to post? That becomes overwhelming. You could take a day or an afternoon and sit down and write all the questions and come up with answers or whatever you want over time and just go, okay, I'm going to do that. If I was starting over and was pressed for time, I might. that's kind of how I did my blog posts initially. I was just doing it weekly. But if I was pressed for time, I could be like, you know what? I'm going to answer one question a day. doesn't mean someone has to ask me the question, but I made a list of things that I know people want to know. And I'm going to do one of those a day. That shouldn't be that overwhelming. And yes, you can schedule them. There's a mil million scheduling tools. That certainly makes it easier, and I would recommend doing that. The other thing that I would say about that is amping up your newsletter can also help with this because, again, the repurposing of content. Your newsletter literally could be as simple as, here's the stuff I posted on Instagram this week because most people then see it. And this gets back to the algorithms. It gets back to sort of everything else. So a newsletter is really just a delivery mechanism. So people, I think also, you know, you see with my newsletter, my weekday newsletter is like a sentence right? That's not hard to write. I sit down and once a week and probably about half an hour or so, write Five days worth of newsletters because they're each a sentence and a link. Now, finding that stuff, I know I have that newsletter. So whenever I see something that's interesting, I literally just save the link. And then when it's time, I don't spend time looking for stuff. I just, okay, pull this. And, you know, and that's a line. And because I have other stuff, I, because I have this podcast coming out, I know every Thursday my newsletter is going to be a link to the podcast. So now I only have to come up with four things a week. I cut back on blogging a little bit, but before when I was blogging every week, I'm doing a podcast and I'm doing a blog, that's two of my five daily newsletters automatically done. And you don't, have, by the way, you don't have to do a daily newsletter. Weekly is, is fine. So that combination of being strategic about the content creation part, repurposing stuff and reusing it so you're not constantly having to create new stuff that can go 
a long way. The other thing I would say to you, and this is a little off off topic, but I think it's really important from a content standpoint, and this also ties into the business stuff we were talking about before, thinking through, is your audience people going through a divorce or people who have already been divorced? And I know those are related and I don't think you necessarily have to pick one, but they're really different. Well, let me ask you, your audience right now, what percentage do you think are going through a divorce and what percentage do you think are already divorced? Yeah, that's a great question. And I kind of segment it where it's almost a third, where the actual audience that I just experimented with is I'm thinking about getting a divorce because there's a lot of content about that. And actually as a business or a lawyer, that's mm -hmm. a lot more valuable of a customer mm -hmm. than me who's already been through divorce. So mm -hmm. it's another angle, but yeah, it's probably 20% thinking about divorce, 40% going through divorce, 40% figuring out life after divorce. Okay, so here's what's interesting about that. If they're going through a divorce, I'm assuming they already have, and I'm just using attorneys as an example, but right. I assume they already have attorney if they're going through it, probably. They might want to change, but yes, they have one currently. Okay, so, and if it's after divorce, they're not looking for an attorney, I assume, probably. Right. usually. Right? So if I'm an attorney, 60% of your audience is not relevant to me. 80%, actually, I think. Right. So 80% is not going to buy my thing. But now this is again where I kick into, and I'm sort of jumping back to the product thing, but I think it's really important. This is where I kick into, if I'm you, I'm, I start going, okay, well, what if I could somehow identify and package up only the people that are thinking about a divorce and sell that? I know what I could do. I could come up with some sort of automated email guide, one week newsletter thing, something that's all about trying to make the decision of whether or not you're going to get divorced. And I'm going to sell that automated email sequence to a sponsor. And now they know every single person that signs up for that is their prime candidate of thinking about whether or not they should get a divorce. And that could be an evergreen thing that you set up once. You have a sign up page. It's an automated thing. And you could sell that sponsorship and you get it for a month or a year or however you want to send it, however you want to do it. If you want, maybe it has five emails and you could sell five different sponsorships. You could do it how you could do it however you want to do it. If you don't want to necessarily narrow the the quote unquote audience, you want to find ways to surface the parts of the audience that are going to be most valuable to people. I'll give you another example. Then I'd come up with something else for post-divorce and think about who wants to reach post-divorce people. Maybe there's some company that really wants to reach divorce dads to get them back out dating or whatever it is. So you create, maybe you create another separate little mini free to your audience, five-day email sequence about how to go on your first date after divorce. And you go to the dating app or you go to whoever wants to reach them. And now your model has shifted from this broad general awareness play to I'm going to get you exactly who you guys want. And you'll be the sole sponsor, depending how you do it. You'll be the sole sponsor and you're going to be able to see how many people sign up for this, all that stuff. And it could even be a back end for you to get them on your main newsletter. So it becomes like a lead magnet for you that you're monetizing. All the work is sort of upfront as a product because then it just lives on outside of maybe switching up sponsors or whatever. And you start to see what your audience really is interested in, which then allows you to sell other products, other services, that kind of thing. So that's an example of how the strategic approach to the content blended with sort of the business side of it, blended with how do I give sort of these businesses 
exactly what they really want, not just this sort of general thing in a much more powerful way. Yeah. So I know we kind of took a left turn there, but I feel like it sort yeah, of ties yeah. a lot of the strings together. Yeah, that's very good for sure. Are you intentional about the fact that you, I know on your sponsors, you're selling like one little plot of land mm -hmm. as opposed to a monthly, three months indefinitely? Is that like kind of tie into, you know, you want yeah, to use a real Yeah, estate? I mean, that's how I've chosen to do it. I wouldn't necessarily say it's better or worse. It's just sort of how it's worked for me. I do think having scarcity creates urgency. And so like, for example, the ads in my weekday newsletters get way more clicks than the ones in my Sunday. When you buy an ad, you get my Sunday and the weekday, but the weekday, you know, they're the only advertiser. And on Sunday, they're one of a bunch of stuff. But even on Sunday, I only sell five slots. So I would absolutely recommend limiting. That's, I think the other problem with the directory a little bit is that the problems I see with the directory is one, it's just infinite, which can be a strength depending on sort of how it goes. But the other thing is I would imagine most, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but I would imagine most people want a diverse divorce attorney in their town. Of course, yeah. So a lot of you, because your audience is national, that's tricky. They're paying, a lot of those people aren't going to be relevant to them. But I also think that's where you can experiment and narrowing down, right? So for example, let's say we'll use like the divorce attorney one. You know, you could pick a big city, you could pick like a New York and maybe you tailor, and I'm sort of all over the place, but this, it's coming to me as we it. talk. Go. I would do a guide on like how to decide and figure out if you're going to get a divorce, what to think about. And I'd get people to sign up for it and I'd sell it to some sponsor, whatever. Then assuming that worked okay, I would do a spinoff it's like the guide to getting divorced in New York. And you'll have fewer people interested in it. But your sponsor, your customer, is going to go, you can get me 50 people that are thinking about getting divorced in New York. And if that worked, you could do it for LA, for San Francisco. You're just, you know, and the New York one, because people in New York probably have additional considerations that people in Omaha don't have, right? Right. So I think there's ways that you can tailor that. And you know what you might want to look at? This is sort of sort of a weird example, but I think it's very true. If you look at the Holly, you know, my wife used to sell advertising for Variety. And if you look at the Hollywood trade papers, they would always have these special issues in Powerless, right? So they used to have the, I forget what it was called, but, you know, top business managers and lawyers. Now, why do they do that? Yeah, it's sort of interesting content, but they really did it because all those business manager and law firms wanted to run ads in it. So if you think about that and you go, I'm going to create content that if this existed, this company would be a no-brainer for them to buy because they want to reach the people that are going to read that thing. If you had something that was going to get, again, even as little as 50 people in New York thinking about getting divorced, that's where, and imagine you had that and then you said, I'm only going to let one New York divorce attorney sponsor it and I'm going to let them be the expert who writes one of the emails or what, like that starts to become really valuable. And, you know, because it's narrowed and spot on, you don't want to be doing the sort of commodity broad stuff. Yeah, that is one issue I'm having is like, of course, I want to be the only attorney on your thing. So maybe I can't scale by volume, yeah. but I could maybe raise the price or create yeah. more different. Yeah, and it can be the only one for set amounts of time, right? right? You could yeah. be like, look, you know, you can be the only one for yeah. three months. Or, you know, or whatever it is, you pay more, you can be the only one for longer that, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. But I think, and again, or you can also go the other way and go, you know what? I want to focus on people that aren't local 
right now you have this blend of local advertisers and national advertisers. Like it can work any of a million different ways, but I think that's the stuff that I would be thinking through. Yeah, that's cool. Helpful. Cool. Right. Even uh, like a feature of the week could be like, you're the only divorce coach that we're uh -huh. going to feature for this week. So you're more likely to want to spend the money than being just thrown into a yeah. pile with a bunch of others because you'll know they're talking about me and Sunday yep. it's over, but you feel like you received something. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Well, so tell people again where they can follow you, connect with you. All the divorced people out there listening who I'm sure want to see your stuff and at least get some good laughs, if nothing else. Yeah, well, you know what? I was a poker player, and what do they say? Statistics don't lie. You got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them. 50% of marriages, unfortunately, are ending in divorce. I'm Rob at WTF Divorce on Instagram, WTFDivorce.com, and the podcast is WTF divorce cool and i am josh you know that get my newsletter for the interested.com slash subscribe if you would like to come on the show and ask me three questions go to joshspector.com slash questions to apply i hope you found this all helpful thanks again for listening and watching and i will see you next week